Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter number 14. And uh, boy, what a day we look forward to that day that we do tour that city. And, uh, and there we will with him ever abide. What a great, a great truth in that song. And uh, thank God for that. John chapter number 14. And I want to preach this morning on the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in John chapter number 14, we find uh, some verses. I want to I take our text here in verse number 16 and 17. John chapter number 14, verse number 16, the Bible says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for uh, the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, I pray that you would just help us to see the uh, ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. And we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. We often teach on God uh, and His work in the Old Testament and that in the New Testament as well. And we often hear about Jesus and His New Testament work uh, in, in His coming to the world and dying on the cross and shedding His blood for our sins and uh, raising again from the dead. And rightly so, by the way, that is our primary message is the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Uh, but sometimes we're guilty of just not teaching enough on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and by the way, the Pentecostal church is not the only people that have the Spirit, all right? Uh, sometimes we can, be, uh, we can be so, we can go the other direction that we allow, uh, we allow people to take good things from us. And we need to be careful of that. Uh, the Holy Spirit is certainly a real person. Uh, and he is part of the Trinity. And the Bible here uh, tells us some great truths. Matter of fact, in John chapter number 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he made it very clear to them in, in, verse, in chapter number 13 that he was going to die. And that he would be taken away. Now this was shocking to the disciples, and, uh, and, and uh, they were somewhat disconcerted about that. They were concerned. They were like, wait a minute, that, that's, um, uh, that's a scary thing. And certainly it was for them. That's why John chapter 14 starts out like it does, let not your hearts be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on and, he, and he's comforting his disciples with some words. And throughout all of that discourse, he gets down to verse number 16 and 17, in which he promises them, hey, I, I will send, uh, or rather I'll go to the Father, and the Father will send the Comforter to you. And he's encouraging them. And, uh, and certainly that is a good thing. And I want to preach this morning on the work of the Holy Spirit. Notice there in verse number 16, he says this, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. 
And uh, could you imagine those disciples having worked with Jesus uh, for this time? I don't know how long they had been with them. Maybe uh, two years that they had labored with Jesus. We know that roughly... They worked with Jesus for about three years, and I don't know exactly when that fell in the timeline, uh, but I do know this, they had been uh, accustomed to working with Jesus. And when, when change comes, it's a fearful thing for people. Uh, it is. There's just no two ways about it. Sometimes change uh, it, it can be worrisome because you don't know how things are going to go. And here they are, uh, their, their life had been literally turned upside down. I mean, you think about their lives and how they had changed. They used to go, uh, at least Peter and, and Andrew and some of the other disciples would go every day to the sea and they'd go out fishing. And Levi, Levi would, uh, or Matthew would go to the, his tax collecting job. And, and, and these guys all had regular lives. But when Jesus came into their life, their life changed completely. As it should, amen. Our life ought to change when we meet Jesus. And so their lives changed, and here's Jesus physically telling them, I'm going to leave. Boy, could you imagine the sadness of that news to them. And them thinking, what is my life going to be like? I've been following Jesus for, these, uh, for this year, two years, whatever the time had been, and now Jesus is telling them, I'm going to leave. But he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And he says there in verse number 16, he says uh, that, that uh, the Father shall give you another comforter. Now I want you to notice the coming of the Spirit. And listen, and, uh, we find the introduction to the work of, Jesus, of, of the Holy Spirit there in Acts chapter number 2. And, and, uh, and you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. I'm certainly not going to read the entirety of the passage. Well, flip over there real quick and save your spot. I, I do want to reference a few verses. But I want you to notice that the entrance or the introduction of the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry, uh, as he came and, and started working uh, directly with the believer. Now, I'll say this, that when Jesus Christ came to the world, there was a definite great show of Jesus Christ being born into the world. You remember that uh, the angels went and, uh, and, and they announced the coming of Jesus Christ to those shepherds that were on the hillside. And he said, hey, uh, why don't you come and see and rejoice because the Savior of the world has been born. And of course they came. It was a spectacular introduction to the ministry uh, that Jesus Christ would eventually start by His coming to this world. And it was, it was kind of a spectacular thing that God kicked that off. Listen, as the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, began in this capacity, uh, it was not the beginning of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that uh, because the Holy Spirit is God. And he was active in creation. And so it goes all the way back to then, but a, 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 perhaps a, uh, a new capacity in which the Holy Spirit uh, would, would work with man. In Acts chapter number 2, uh, notice here in verse number 4, I want you to see this. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, a lot of people will take that passage 
And they will misconstrue many things in the book of Acts. And they'll teach that, hey, if you're filled with the Spirit, then you ought to be able to speak in tongues. Uh, the Bible does not tell us that. Uh, this was an exceptional uh, thing that took place, and it was a, a miraculous thing. It was a sign from God. It was God's introduction of the Holy Spirit working here on this earth. But I want you to notice this. They're not speaking in unknown tongues. They're speaking in very much so known tongues. Now, God has, has uh, privileged me with the opportunity to learn Spanish. Let me repeat that. To learn Spanish. All right? I wish it would have been this easy. Trust me. I would have loved to have gone to Peru and that day been able to speak, uh, open my mouth and preach like I'm preaching to you this morning and those people understand in perfect Spanish. But I'll tell you this, it did not happen that way. I can assure you that. I spent many hours studying the language. I spent many hours practicing. I spent many hours just reading the Bible out loud to a Spanish native speaker, to a Peruvian fella, in which he would stop me and correct me every word. And I thought, I'll never get this down. I would have loved to have been able to open my mouth and do like happened here in, in Acts chapter 2. But it did not happen that way for me. Listen, you don't have to speak in tongues uh, to, to, to know that you have the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that. Uh, the introduction here is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look with me in verse number 6. I want you to see this. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we, every man, in our own tongue, wherein we were born? That'd be like if this morning, if I was preaching, and, uh, and we had uh, a significant group of Asian people. By the way, that, that would be a multitude of languages just right there, uh, that, that, that people group. I mean, uh, there is a large amount of languages that are spoken in India, uh, Japan, China, Taiwan, and all of those things. Uh, and if I were speaking in English, but they would hear in their native tongue. That's what took place there in the book of Acts. And listen, it was a mighty introduction and a showing of the power of God in the Spirit. And it was a, a sign that said, hey, listen, this is of God. Listen, how would you feel to be in the disciples' shoes? I mean, they had started out in a new ministry. Everything was different. I mean, these boys uh, were, were, were Jew by birth. They were Hebrews, and they followed that Old Testament law, and, and they had been uh, wrapped up in all of that. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes along, and, uh, and His teachings, they were not contrary to the law, but they were certainly different than the law. And now their life was greatly different and varied from once it had been. And so Jesus Christ said, hey, uh, listen, uh, God gave him a special showing. There were miracles saying, hey, this indeed is the Messiah. This is none other than uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that walks on the earth. And the same thing is true with the ministry of the Holy Spirit as it is introduced to them. But I want you to notice that as the book of Acts goes on, uh, that, that listen, those miracles and 
and those special signs start to really fade away. And they're gone by the end of the book of Acts. What takes place? Hey, listen, that is not necessary for us today. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't start speaking in tongues. And listen, you don't need to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. It is not a, a sign or an evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, turn with me just one page over, and the Bible says, uh, well, you might not even have to turn a page. In Acts chapter 2, in verse number 38, Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a, a large message on the Jewish history and God, God being used there. Uh, look in verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the... the the gift of the Holy Ghost. And listen, he goes from the introduction to the indwelling. And how do we get the Holy Spirit today? Listen, you get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Peter makes that clear in verse number 38. He doesn't say, and speak in tongues as a sign. He doesn't say, and have laying on of hands that you may know. It is very clear and evident from the word of God that salvation is the time that we receive the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. I want you to see this verse. This verse is very clear. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 13 The Bible says this in Ephesians 1.13. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted. Go back to verse number 12. We'll get the whole context here. There's, I'm sure there's more we could go back. But uh, verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Verse number 13 makes it ever so clear. Uh, in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth. Listen, you're not going to get saved until you hear the word of truth. You're not going to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ until the, the word of truth has been preached unto you and you know, oh, listen, I'm a sinner. I realize that now. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God and lived a perfect life here on this earth. And then he went to the cross and died. Why did he die? Well, he died in my place. He didn't die because he was a sinner. No, he was not worthy of death. He had never done anything wrong. He was not a sinner. But yet he gave his life. Why? Because he took my punishment upon himself. So when I realized that, and by the way, then he wrote an invitation, said, come unto me. 
said, be saved. And he rose again from the dead to, to, to gain victory over death, hell, and the grave. And we understand all of that. But I'm just telling you that, hey, that is the gospel. That is the salvation. And once that is preached to somebody, then the decision lies in their lap whether to trust the Lord Jesus Christ or to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And that is what he's talking about here in verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted... After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listen, the Bible is very clear that after you get saved, after your faith in, is placed in Jesus Christ for salvation, that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. My, my family used to make jelly. My goes all the way back to my grandmother and my, my uncle and my, my mom and my aunts. And they had fruit trees there on uh, the property actually where my parents live. And, uh, and boy, they'd go out and they'd pick those apples and they'd put, pick those raspberries and they'd pick the uh, blackberries. And, and, and they, had, they had mint leaves even. They, they, would make, they would take all of those things and they would, they would make different kinds of jellies. They'd make blackberry uh, apple jelly and mint, uh, mint jelly was my favorite. I don't know why. I just really liked it. They would make all of that stuff. You know what they would do? They would can it. And they, they would take and they would put on the top of that wax. You know what that wax was? It was the seal. That's what it was. And it ensured that, hey, nothing was getting in, no bacteria was getting in, uh, no bad things were getting in, and everything that was in there would remain preserved. Until when? Until that thing was opened up. Hey, listen, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our seal of promise. And what He does is He cements your salvation that you're not getting out. And listen, uh, he ensures that, that you are going to be sealed until when? Well, the Bible says until the day of redemption. When is that? It's a coming. I'll tell you that. I'm looking forward to it. It's the day that our vile body is changed. And the Bible says that this corruptible must put on incorruptible. Praise the Lord for that. This mortal must put on immortality. Praise the Lord for that. That our body is going to be completely changed. That is the day of final redemption. Hey, when we don't wrestle with sin anymore, we don't struggle in this world any longer, and we are redeemed in heaven, and our body and soul and spirit are all three united back to together in heaven. What a great day. But I'm just telling you that right now, listen to me, the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And He indwells you. He is with you. Listen, the disciples, they were looking forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit. You and I, we, we didn't get an opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ on this earth. Partially, I'm glad. I'd rather live in this day and age. Maybe. <laughs> but on the other hand, they, they, they didn't have the promise of the Spirit right then and there. 
God said, it's, he's going to come. They had to, could you imagine them going through? You can go back and read it. You don't have to imagine. Uh, it's recorded for us. But you go back and, and you put yourself in their shoes when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was buried in that tomb. Boy, the emotions that flooded their soul. The, the amount of doubt that would run through their mind. And they're wondering, what are we going to do? So much so that Peter, even after Jesus rose from the dead, I go fishing. Wasn't sure what to do with his life. He didn't have the promise. The Spirit didn't indwell them in that time. But listen, he started his ministry in Acts chapter 2. And every time a believer gets saved and born again, listen, today you don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to do any crazy stuff. The moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit seals you and he moves into your life and he changes you. Thank God for that. We have the coming of the Spirit. It was promised to the disciples we have that. Go back with me to John chapter number 14 and look with me in verse number 16. The Bible says, And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Notice there, not only the coming of the Spirit, but the comforting of the Spirit. Just in his name, he's called the comforter. Look at verse number 18. We didn't read it, but he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus promised, number one, his literal return in which he will return and, and he, he is coming again. But also, listen, I believe that's twofold because it's also fulfilled in the person and work of the Holy Spirit that he moves into our life and he indwells us and he is with us and he is God just like Jesus Christ is God, just like God the Father is God and therefore he is here and he is with us. Boy, what a comfort to know you're never alone. I think of science class, and I, I, this is humorous, actually. I, I remember sitting in science class, and, and, uh, and, and they were talking about little tiny microscopic bugs. You'll go home and you'll itch the rest of the day. And they said they're on every one of us, and we don't even realize it. And then they ended this. So just remember, you're never alone. I thought, well, that really ruined it for me. I'd rather be alone. Listen, the Holy Spirit is with you always. And as a believer, you are never alone. Sometimes we'll feel lonely. Sometimes we think, Man, it's difficult. Listen, that's why God, Jesus Christ, and, and God the Father promised the Holy Spirit that would come and, and be with them. Listen, it doesn't matter if you go to the, the darkest city uh, in the world, uh, to, to some backwood place and serve the Lord there. Listen, the Holy Spirit of promise is there with you. You say, preacher, I'm not heading to Backwood City. That's okay. When you go off to work on Monday and you're feeling like you're the only one because you're probably the only saved person at work, hey, listen, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. Hey, listen, I, I know, I, I grew up in a public school. I know what it's like to be surrounded by a bunch of lost people. 
I, I remember going to school and, and not having a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, interactivity or a lot of uh, social friends or anything like that. Why? Just because I was saved. That's why. I, uh, maybe they thought I was weird. I don't know. Maybe I was a little bit. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit was with me every day and everywhere I went. Maybe you go to work and maybe you feel all alone. Maybe you feel surrounded by, by darkness. Maybe they even make fun of you. Maybe they even uh, they mock you. But listen, understand this, that you are not alone as you go into the world on Monday. Hey, Jesus Christ said, I will, send, I will pray the Father and he will send the comforter. And listen, he'll be with you every step of the way. And listen, we don't have to be fearful we don't have to be uh, scared of what's taking place because the Holy Spirit is with us every single day of our life and He's sealed us with that promise and He's there and the Bible says that He is a comforter and to the disciples who were facing uh, a time when Jesus Christ would leave and go away and they would say, what am I going to do and how is life going to be? Listen, they would learn to depend upon the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he would work in them and be with them. He is a comforter. Not only that, but I want you to notice this in verse number 16. It says that he may abide with you forever. Not only the coming of the Spirit, the comforting of the Spirit, but the continuance of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing better than knowing, hey, that he will continue with you. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Praise the Lord that he's with you wherever you go. Listen, his presence is there as a comfort and as a continuance with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It says here in these verses that he may abide with you forever. Uh, and he is going to be with us, not just in presence. But listen, if we understand that and realize, hey, that is the power of our ministry that the Holy Spirit is with us. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 20 and verse or 28 and verse number 20, it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus Christ said, hey, I'm going to go with you every day. I'm going to be with you no matter where you go. I'm going to empower you. Uh, he gave that right after he had given them the job of preaching the gospel to every creature, to every person in the world. And he said, hey, I want you to know that I am going to be with you. Listen, he continues with us to this very day. Listen, he'll not leave you or he'll not forsake you. His presence is with you, but not just his presence. His power ought to embolden you. I've told this story before when I was, came to college and started street preaching uh, with, with a friend of mine. And, and I, was a, I was a scrawny college kid, to be honest with you. I was not very, uh, I never was very built or very big kind of fella. But we had this guy, he come down and, and he had lived in Detroit. And, uh, and he said, he said, hey, why don't, you go, why don't you go out with us? 
on a, on a Friday or Saturday night. And I said, well, okay. Man, I, we went down to Ken, and I saw stuff I had never seen before. I'll tell you that. You know what I did? I stayed close to that guy. You know why? He was about twice my size, probably three times my size. And, and he, he had lived in Detroit. He knew the streets. I, and so I just felt comfortable. And you know what? As time went on, I, I started to realize the Holy Ghost dwells within you. Hey, we don't have to be fearful to witness to other people. We don't have to be fearful of going places. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of promise goes with us and He emboldens us and He helps us. You know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know what took place after they were filled with the Holy Ghost? The Bible says, and they spake the word of God with with boldness. Hey, listen, uh, as, as we go through our life, we ought to be, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that you're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit than you have right now. But the Holy Spirit ought to have more of you. You ought to be 100% dedicated to Him. Hey, listen, when we give ourselves to God and we submit ourselves to what God wants, hey, listen, we'll have the boldness to speak the word of God to our, to our co-workers, to our family, to those that are around us, and we'll be able to witness and say, listen, I know that I may not be everything that I ought to be, but I tell you what, the things that are good in my life are because God changed my life and made me better. We ought to testify and witness to those around us on a daily basis. Hey, listen, it's not just uh, when we have all church outreach uh, that we ought to go. And, and listen, we ought to go in those times. But listen, every single day on Monday when you wake up, listen, you ought to understand and realize the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And you ought to spend time with God. And you ought to pray and, and ask God to use you that day and be emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. To what? Speak the Word of God. Say, listen, God loves you. God cares about you. Oh, pastor, they think I'm some kind of crazy person. That's all right. Amen. Hey, Peter said, or Paul said, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'd rather them think that I'm some kind of crazy person than them to never hear about Jesus Christ, to die in their sins and spend eternity in a place called hell. We ought to testify the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the continuance of the Holy Spirit. He abides with us. He stays with us. Back in our text in John chapter number 14, notice this. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 17, even the spirit of truth. And I put the certainty or the veracity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, uh, there's a lot of confusion uh, from people who, who do not spend time in the Word of God. Uh, a lot of people may be well-meaning, but they're very confused. I want you to notice this phrase, even the Spirit of truth. Listen, Spirit and truth go together uh, like peanut butter and jelly. Amen. I mean, they're just two things. If you eat a peanut butter sandwich, God bless you, I cannot do it. 
it sticks inside of my mouth. You, gotta have, you have to have something in there to help get that thing down. And the spirit and truth go together. If you take the spirit and you don't take any truth, boy, you're going to be off the rails. You're going, to be, you're going to be doing all kinds of crazy stuff. If you take the truth of the Word of God and, and, you, and you go away from the Spirit, you're going to end up a very knowledgeable person, but not a very wise person. There's a big difference between the two. The Spirit and truth go together. You don't believe me? Look right there in verse number 17. Even the Spirit of truth. Go with me to verse number, uh, chapter number 15. And verse number 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth. Look with me in verse number 16, or chapter number 16, in verse number 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. And I'm just saying that the Spirit and the truth go together, uh, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. By the way, uh, that's, a, that's a, a great combination, and we need those things to go together. The Word of God, uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 13, uh, he says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been, with Jesus. Isn't it amazing that God can take a fisherman who's probably uneducated, doesn't know a lot of things, but God will get involved in his life and the Spirit will get, in, will get involved in his life and the truth of the Word of God will prevail and even though the people might look at him and say, hey, that guy's an ignorant, an unlearned man, but they take note. Why? That they had been with Jesus. And the Spirit of God was evident in their life, and it went with the truth of the Word of God because they were preaching the Word of God uh, when they noticed that. And I'm just telling you that Spirit and truth go together. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Notice this with me. We'll start in verse number 9. This is a kind of a lengthy passage, and I'm not going to expound all of it, but I just want you to see it in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, in verse number 9, the Bible says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse number 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. That illustration in verse number 11 is just simply saying, hey, there's things inside of you. There are things inside of me that we may never vocalize. But listen, you know they're in your, your life. You know what's in there. Just like the Spirit knows God because He is God. And the Bible gives us this idea there in verse number 11. Continue with me, verse number 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the wor world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 
which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but the Holy Ghost teacheth, uh, comparing spiritual things which, with spiritual things. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That verse number 14 is just saying, verse 13 is saying that, hey, the saved people, we understand. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwelleth in us and He helps us to understand the truth of the Word of God. But the natural man, the Bible says, that would be somebody that's not saved or does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, does not receive the things of God. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. They're not going to understand this book. They have to get saved. They need to understand that they're sinners and they're lost and they're on their way uh, to a place called hell and they need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. And once they understand that and once they trust Him and put their faith in Him, hey, the Holy Spirit of promise moves into their heart and moves into their life and helps them have the understanding of the Word of God. And so we see that in verse number 13. We see that they cannot uh, understand those things in verse 14. Verse number 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, but he may that he may instruct him? Look at the last phrase, But we have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. And listen, it's because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and teaches us the things of God. There's, there's testimonies I've heard many a times, and I love to hear this, that I've heard it many a time uh, where a person gets saved and they're like, I'm going to church. They don't know what church they're going to. They just know somebody came by and knocked on their door or, or a co-worker witnessed to them and, and they got saved and, and they just realized, man, I, I need to be in church. Who put that in there? God put that in there and said, hey, you need to be in church. You need to be under the preaching of the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. And, and listen, their life starts to change. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of promise moved into their life and, and changed their life. And we see that the Word of God goes with the Spirit of God. And listen, it does the work of God. We don't have time to spend here, but God forbid that we would do the work of God in the power of the flesh. It's a waste of your time. You need to go about the work of God in the power of the Spirit. In line with the Word of God. All of those things work together. And they make a marvelous thing as we see the certainty of the Holy Spirit, the truth that He gives us through the Word of God. I want one more thing to see in verse number 17. It will not be long here. The Bible says this in John chapter 14 and verse number 17. Even the Spirit of truth, notice this, whom the world cannot receive. Notice the conditions of the Holy Spirit. Listen, lost people don't have the Spirit of God indwelling within them. Oh, the Spirit of God may, uh, may, may uh, 
show them their need for a savior through the preaching of the word of God. When again, the word of God, the spirit of truth go together. The word of God preached, the spirit of truth convicts their hearts and shows them their need of salvation. But listen, the world cannot receive the spirit of God without salvation. I was reminded of that verse and it's actually kind of an, an comical passage. I, I love that God has a sense of humor. Acts chapter number eight. We won't go there for sake of time, but Peter is preaching and does a miracle uh, or does something there. And, and, uh, and, and one of the men says, I want to pay you. I want that. And Peter turns to him and says, your money perish with you because uh, the gift of God cannot be purchased with money. And listen, the world would love to have some of the things that Christianity has. But it's not just something that you buy. It's something that you receive at the moment of salvation. The Bible's very clear in verse number 17 that the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Praise the Lord that if you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And he's there with you every day. The conditions are simple. It's salvation. You must be born again. You must trust Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. The Holy Spirit moves in, seals you, and stays with you. What a great promise as we see the condition for the Holy Spirit. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And you'd say, man, that, that sounds marvelous to have a comforter that was with you at all times. It is marvelous. It is wonderful. It's, it's comforting. It's, it's helpful to know that, hey, in our darkest valley, that the Holy Spirit of God is there with us. You say, man, I'd like to have that. It comes by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. I can't save you. This church cannot save you. Being baptized will not save you. But Jesus Christ wants to and will save you if you call upon him for salvation. Father, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. God, as Christians, many times we deny the Holy Spirit in our life. God, we grieve the Spirit in our life. God, we don't walk in the Spirit, as the Bible says in the book of Galatians and Ephesians. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk in your Spirit on a daily basis and be emboldened to witness, to preach the gospel to the lost and dying world everywhere we go. God, I pray that you'd comfort strengthen and embolden us in the work that you've called us to do. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, the altar's open.
Maybe you just want to thank God for the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Maybe you just want to be more aware of what God would have you to do. Why not spend time in prayer? Why not, as the adult Sunday school class was given, repair the altar that's broken down? The Holy Spirit will embolden you to be a witness everywhere you go. He'll strengthen you. He'll comfort you when you're alone. He'll be there for you. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We need to submit ourselves to him. Follow what he'd have you do.